0: Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to Home Energy Design, a podcast that teaches you how to design a beautiful home and life and make sure it's energy aligned. I'm your host, Amanda Gates, and I'm a professional interior designer, realtor, and advanced feng shui practitioner. And these combined skills have made me an energy design expert, helping you find, create, and design the home and life you've always dreamed of. Are you ready? Hell yeah. Let's do this. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to the show. My name is Amanda Gates. And today I have on guest and author Forrest Rivers. And one of the things I love about his new book is he's really giving us answers. I think a lot of you we've got them in our uh, emails, we've heard from uh, listeners and even clients just talking about, you know, what the heck is going on? and, And why is all this happening? And the world just seems so polarized and crazy. And you know, just insert whatever you need in the blank but it is it's pretty crazy we've even got crazy stuff going on here just in Nashville with you know the polarization and people being upset And it can be, it it can really feel very divided. Our world can feel very divided. And a lot of it was set off due to the pandemic. You know, everyone's nerves are shot. They're tired of being at home. And now that things are opened back up and getting, you know, quote unquote, back to normal, you can still see the damage that has been done. And so the big question comes down to why. So one of the brilliancies, is that a word? I'm going to if it's not we're going to say it is here today brilliancies of Forrest's new book is that he talks about uh the beauty that we can really pull away from this pandemic uh the election you know just all of the the things that we've seen happen in our world in the last I would even say 18 months just everything that's really been going on and I was watching uh, a movie last night with Will Smith, and it was called Collateral Beauty. And the idea is that when you lose someone, when there's a death in your family, or there's a trauma that occurs, the the message of the movie was, don't forget to see the collateral beauty. Now, what does that mean? That is basically what I always say on the show, remember to take a step back. We often get so caught up in the whirlwind of events that are going on that we forget to take a step back and see what we've gleaned from the events, what we've gleaned from the things that are going on around us, and the things that we walk away from. It's the old adage of it's not happening to you, it's happening for you. What are you learning? What are the lessons that we can take away from this? That is collateral beauty being able to see, aha, you know what, I've realized that I don't want to work as much as I used to. I've realized that I'm going to set boundaries and I'm going to say no to more things rather than trying to people please. I have, you know, been able to step back and see this instead of this or whatever, you know, you want to plug into the scenario. What can you take away from this situation? What can you take away from uh, these events that have occurred and what have they taught you? That is what this book is all about. And it is called COVID-19 and Humanity's Spiritual Awakening. I really uh, enjoyed this book and thought that there was a lot of very valuable information in it, which I'm going to share with you today. And another thing that was near and dear to my heart was just the love affair that Forrest shares of nature and how much it benefits us, and how much we have taken it for granted, but hopefully after not only listening to this show and podcast, but also just with the pandemic, hopefully you have been able to take that step back and see all that nature provides us. So today we're gonna talk about how this has really catapulted us into a spiritual awakening, how it's forcing us to get that connection back with nature that I think many of us have lost, um, maybe not force, maybe uh, helping us turn around on the mountain. You've heard me talk about that on the show before. And seeing a different perspective, seeing a different view. And I think that you're going to learn a lot from this. And you can find this book on Amazon and many other places. But I would definitely recommend reading it. It's, you know, I talked about this in last week's show about how all of these guests that I'm having on are talking about the same thing with their unique perspective and their unique view on what is happening in our world and how we are starting to wake up. And I think that this is just another valuable read to add to your library. Are you ready? Hell yeah. Let's do this. Hey Forrest, welcome to the show.
1: Hi Amanda. Thank you for having me today.
0: I'm excited to uh, dive into I've got a lot of questions for you. So you wrote this great book, COVID-19 and humanity's spiritual awakening, you know, I, I, I'm projecting a little bit here, but I'm assuming that, you know, the reason that you, uh, wrote the book was really to express to people that this big event that occurred in our life is to act as a catalyst, which I strongly agree. I've said many times on this show that I think it was a huge gift. Um, you know, I know that a lot of people have, um, lost their lives to this illness. I know that a lot of people have lost loved ones because of this illness. But I think that um, that aside, it has taught many people a lot of things and it's been a a huge catalyst for spiritual awakening um, and getting people to take a step back and really get their priorities straight, which our culture needs but I'd like you to explain to the audience uh, what you mean by this is a catalyst for spiritual awakening. What, what are the gifts that we can see oh, man. in this pandemic?
1: So Amanda, thank you. That was a wonderful lead-in by the way. Uh, all of everything you just pretty much said is the main message of my book. So the idea that this event has served as a catalyst for our own awakenings, uh, spiritually speaking. And we can see that in a number of ways. For example, uh, you mentioned it, it's helped us uh, reprioritize uh, our lives to live uh, in a way that is more enriched uh, with spirit. Uh, so for example, in my in the book, I, ta- I have many excerpts where I talk about, uh, this has been a time for people to uh, consider taking up more service in their life, connecting with nature, uh, following their soul's vision or destiny, rather than just uh, clocking away at that nine to five that doesn't bring them any kind of uh, sense of peace and fulfillment. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a really important opportunity for people to come to terms with their fear of death, which, as we all know, is essential to spiritual work. Um, The more you can come to terms with death, especially your own, the better you can live your life with with fuller intention and less fear. Um, This has been a wonderful time also to to, uh, develop. We've had more time alone, more time in solitude. It's been a wonderful time to cultivate a meditation practice, prayer, to introduce prayer into our lives. Uh, These are all things I talk about in my book. Um, This has also been a wonderful time to help us acknowledge our interconnectedness to each other. I I think it's indisputable, Amanda, uh, to say that we've all become aware of how alike we all are and that there really is no barrier that separates the people of this world. We've all gone through this together. We've all suffered. We've all had to overcome the same fears, the same anxieties. And I think we're seeing just how interconnected we are. I mean, look at what's happening just in India right now. Uh, In the past when a crisis happened in India, we could say, or wherever it was in the world, well, it's not here. But we literally went through the same thing that India is now going through India is going through the same thing that Italy went through, you know, invite and go on and on. So there's been a a numerous teachings that have come out of this event that have served as a catalyst for our awakening. Mm,
0: I agree. And I think that what I'm really seeing is I'm seeing... um, you know, those of us who are awakened and have been in this soup for a very long time, it's like, well, of course. I mean, poor <laughs> universe is up there smacking its head, going, "Good grief! When are you guys going to get the message?" You know, and it takes an event like this to really um, catapult us into, "Oh, I think we're doing it wrong."
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, and, it, and it's crazy, Amanda. It didn't, and it's like for for those who have been sort of like tuned in. as you just said, we're thinking, uh, wow, like it took this long for this kind of event to emerge to jolt people's consciousness. Um, You know, and and maybe it shouldn't have taken this event to bring us to this point, but here we are, right? Here we are, and there's this wonderful, important opportunity. And I want to also take a second, like you did, Amanda, early on in the couple minutes back and say, yes, there is real suffering Happening here. People have been through real suffering. I don't want to in any way, um, uh, you know, denigrate what people are feeling. But this is an important opportunity. And, and, and I would argue that when we look back at this 15, 20 years down the road, we'll see this as a, as a significant event in expanding our consciousness.
0: Without a doubt, and and that's a great segue you mentioned a little bit ago about what this is really doing to humanity as a whole and um, what I have really enjoyed. And, and I was mentioning this, I, I did a bunch of uh, recordings yesterday with podcast guests. And um, I think it's because it's the soup that I'm in. I'm in this little perfect spiritual bubble where, you know, we're all talking about the same things. And it, it it's like, we're talking shop about spiritual awakening and the golden age and all these glorious things. And I'm like, doesn't everybody know this? Isn't everybody having these conversations <laughs> daily? And, and I realized that uh, this is not what's being you know, posted on the media and, and this is not what everybody is talking about. So not everybody knows these things, but one of the things that I really enjoyed, um, which is starts off immediately in your book uh, on page four, it says, we may be in the opening stages of a planetary shift in consciousness from such a dark age to one of enlightenment. If this worldview is considered the emergence of COVID-19 has not been some cruel twist of fate or a cosmic hiccup but is rather something that emerged in the moment of space and time to jolt us out of a heartless egotism. Uh hello amen hallelujah. <laughs> Despite the heavy and tragic loss of life left in its wake, COVID-19 may soon become to be regarded as one of our light posts on the path of humanity's spiritual awakening. Again, amen hallelujah. Yes. Um would you in your own opinion, I mean do you think like i said a lot of us have we're already in the soup you know this is something that you and i uh, are very aware of and it makes a lot of sense to us and we're like yes absolutely that's why this happened uh, absolutely would you say that, you know, this is kind of the catalyst that's, you know, uh, there have been some people talking about the age of Aquarius and the golden age is upon us. And, um, you know, is this kind of like the, the peak behind the curtain, like we're, we're finally getting to see the mm. wizard and, and his hands and saying, OK, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And, and w- that's why we have to have this this darkness so that we can understand the contrast to, to understand the the gratitude we can have for the light that's coming.
1: Yes, yes. Oh, so well said, Amanda. Yes, absolutely. In it, it, it just a few words, I would say this. This is not only a significant catalyst, but it is indeed a light post for us. It's, uh, it's a, it is, in fact, a peek behind the curtain uh, to what's ailed us. And what's ailed us all this time has been just that heartless egotism, as you know, you just read the excerpt from my book, it has been heartless egotism, and even, and even more specifically, the illusion of separateness. Uh, and this, and this has definitely brought that to the forefront, in a very dramatic, almost in your face, uh, um, manner. And I think this period right now can be For those who aren't, as you describe it really well, Amanda, in the soup, already in the soup, for those people, this is very frightening and very fearful, but it doesn't have to be, because I would argue that we always have control to meet suffering or to meet uh, challenging events with a heightened perspective. And that's another message I wanted to bring forth today is to say, we have the power to meet this event with consciousness, with levity, with equanimity, and with some semblance of peace. And is this the actual event that may spur our whole awakening? It may not be the only event, but it's a significant event. I'll leave it at that.
0: Absolutely. It is significant. And and uh, I agree with you. You know there is this uh, what the Hindus and the Buddhists call the Maya, the illusion of the it illusion. all, and how yeah. we get so caught up in um, the video game that is not yep. real, but man, it seems really real. Um, and the
1: media goes to great lengths to convince us Oh
0: that, that, their ver-
1: <laughs> that their version of reality, their my that that Maya that they're that they're sowing onto us is has has a. Uh, that's reality. But really if we can still our minds a little bit and tune ourselves within to what's really happening, we can feel that there has been a shift in our consciousness now happening for quite a big for quite a long time and that we have been emerging we've begun emerging out of our dark age and if we look at it that this event is helping us emerge out of that dark age or more accurately is a sign of that, what is there really to fear, Amanda,
0: right? What is there really to fear? Well, I agree. You're, you're preaching to the choir over here. Yeah. Uh, but one thing uh, I, I thought this was such a uh, eloquent way of putting this and, and a beautiful quote um, in your book on page 23, it says, in the end, COVID-19 represents a rare opportunity for us all to undergo a paradigm shift in consciousness from one focused on self-serving ends to one grounded in the spirit of loving kindness. Good Lord. Yes. 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 However, to make this shift, we must first have faith that it is even possible. Really. I mean, good Lord. It's like people have to have permission. We must first have faith that it is even possible. Faith, not belief, is the golden horse that will lead us into the fertile valley (laughs) of peace and oneness. Good Lord, you're a prophet. That's amazing right there.
1: (laughs) I just want to say, say, well, I really appreciate that. That's very kind of you. But this is a message, I'm, I'm honestly just one of many messengers. There's many, 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 many people who are communicating this in different ways. They're communicating this in art, music, writing, speaking, poetry, uh, you know, a- any number of avenues. So I-, I just look at this as just a timeless message uh, that, we're, that we all need to be delivering right now. But getting to that point, faith is extremely important. Belief isn't gonna cut it. It's not gonna bring us anywhere. You know, if I would argue, Amanda, that belief has been one of our biggest problems in our society, belief comes from ego, it's from the head, right, it's from the mind. And uh, um, Ramakrishna, a great Hindu saint made the point, the mind is a wonderful servant, but a terrible master, right? (laughs) And, And if we think the mind is gonna lead us through this period of heightened consciousness, through this period of suffering, we're badly mistaken. But what is needed is faith, which is found deep within ourselves, and if we can find that faith, then we can cultivate our heart. We can cultivate our soul. And that's where that's where real change comes out of. Uh, but finding that faith obviously can be very difficult when we're faced with so much darkness around us. But it's exactly, ironically, that darkness that is needed to build that faith.
0: Yeah, and I think that, you know, and that's another thing that I have really been not only talking about myself but many of the spiritual uh those who are spiritually enlightened mystics the channelers the people that i've had on this show over the the many many years that i've had the show is that we are so caught up in our left logical, rational, we're going to think our way through everything as opposed to maybe we should lean into the right brain where our heart resides and and really get into the space of spirituality that can really tap into our higher self and and lead us to our truth as opposed to, nope, we're going to think our way through this. And you talk mm. in the book about spiritual freedom and you have this great quote, many spiritual seekers have come to their own unique and personal conceptions of freedom. Um, Explain to the audience what that means. What does it mean to have spiritual freedom and to um, the way that I conveyed it is to break away from the paradigm of kind of like this hierarchical, which is an egotistic view, but a hierarchical system that we are plugged into Uh, where there is cultural narratives, there's judgments, there's preconceived notions, there's a lot of freaking rules that don't serve us, that many of us follow, and it's what you were just talking about with the media and how, you know, oh my God, people are so plugged in, turned on, tuned into you know, what the media is telling them, and most of it is false. It's all illusion.
1: It is.
0: So how do we tap into our spiritual freedom? And more importantly, what the hell is it? What are you talking about?
1: Oh man, okay. So spiritual freedom has everything to do with how we use our free will, how we make choices in our day-to-day life. Do we make choices that only uh, uh, end up aggrandizing our own egos, or do we use our free will in a way that ends up um, uh, benefiting all of humanity, and do we live in a way in which we are interconnected? We know, do we live in a way in which we know that we are interconnected with the greater web of being? And that choice on how to live, do we live more hierarchically without disregard for the planet and without disregard for each other? Or do we live as if we are part of an interconnected web of being? That choice to live as a more as part of an interconnected web of being that's spiritual freedom. We have the we have the choice to unplug from the matrix of egotism at any point that we want. But getting to that point requires us to feel our inherent oneness and unity with all that is. That to me is spiritual freedom, the use of free will to live as as, as one. Uh, that's how I would describe spiritual freedom. Uh, and I guess that could be. You could boil that down to compassion, uh, uh, some sense of like uh, uh, understanding that we're related to everything.
0: Kindness.
1: Kindness, (laughs) uh, humility, which is a huge thing missing in this culture. Uh, You could tie that to uh, uh, faith rather than-
0: Gratitude. (laughs) Gratitude. Oh my gosh,
1: Amanda, we could take that- Yeah. Spiritual freedom is such a, is such a, a a grand concept really. Right. I mean, in fact, I may have had, uh, I I may have uh, bit off more than I could chew with that, with that, with that term.
0: (laughs) Maybe so. But I think that it's, it's a concept that's very foreign to a lot of people. Uh, I would say the, the average, you know, person that's roaming the earth right now, it's, uh, what are you talking about? Compassion, kindness, gratitude. How dare you Humil- say such humility, things? <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, because we're so because we're so conditioned to think of freedom not as something that we can harness for our own um, empowerment and connection to the whole. We've been conditioned to think of freedom as something that's just like given to us by entities like a, our government or- It's a
0: sense of entitlement is yeah, what it's it a is.
1: Of, it's a sense of entitlement. And that has nothing to do with freedom. Freedom is about the responsible use of free will to basically be of service to the entire human race and to the entire earth, even more importantly. Um, the Yeah,
0: let's, the, let's talk about the planet for a minute because I'm a huge environmentalist yeah, yeah. and- Um, you know, I, I think that we had such a glorious glimpse when we were in the, the full blown lockdown last year, we had such a glorious glimpse of what humankind is doing to our planet. And when she had a moment to take a breather, um, I feel like it's a distant memory and all these boneheads have forgotten now, but like just the, the, the moment that we had where we were able to. Uh, see life without smog and see animals emerge. And our life has been very destructive, not only to each other, but to the planet. And, Mm. you know, will we be able to really capture this moment and really get people to remember this time, this moment that created uh, healing for our planet, healing for the animals of this earth and, and the, the, the true elders with the, you know, I, I just, I love trees. They're like the original shamans. Um, oh,
1: beautiful. Yes.
0: What our our planet was able to get a, a moment of, I feel like nobody is remembering it. It's like, oh, thank God we're back to normal. Nobody cares. So, Will we be able to tap back into that? And do you think that th- what the glimpse of the pandemic gave us, will we be able to ever return to that? Or are people so caught up in the returning to normal that when are we going to get back to the damn planet is basically what my question right. is.
1: <laughs> Amanda, like, that is, that is a wonderful question. Let me say first, uh, I do have a whole chapter in the book uh titled the chapter is literally called if the earth could speak
0: right good lord uh, and you write a beautiful letter from from mama earth (laughs) Earth to us and it's like i'm i'm practically weeping i'm like oh my god why is nobody paying attention
1: (gasps) and (laughs) i and, and i i wrote that letter from the earth to humanity to sort of say oh wait a minute here like you said amanda this, this pandemic, when we were in lockdown, we saw so many positive things happening to the planet when we simply stopped driving our vehicles everywhere, when we were- when Stillness, industry, when just industry, having it was stillness. stillness. It was stillness, and that's exactly it. Uh, people in India, in cities hours away, were finally able to see the mountains, the mountain ranges through all the smog for the first time in half a century. Uh, you know, uh, like you said, there were animals who were actually re-emerging. The sixth mass extinction during that lockdown period became, it slowed down. Its pace slowed during that period. You know, uh, that was a real opportunity to work with last year to see, wow, look at the impact that we've had on the earth. We can't continue to do this. There can't be, how about this? There can't be a return back to the normal quote, as it refers to our relationship to Mother Earth, we can't return to that. That's not even an option. And I think there's many people who would like to continue going back to that, reverting back to that. But to kind of answer your question, question, Amanda, I think that the crisis that we're seeing with climate change, the crisis that we're seeing with deforestation, which are all interlocked problems, of course, the problems that we're seeing with the ocean. Uh, the ocean, the problems that we're seeing, we saw with Fukushima, the problems that we're seeing with the six mass extinction we're on, our ecological crisis is at such a burning point right now that we're going to have no choice but to rectify that. We have no choice but to move towards renewable energies. We have no choice but to uh, scale back from industrial farming, which has been a major scourge on this planet. We have no choice, but to stand up for our forests. This is now an existential issue for humanity. And I would also argue that the, 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 the greatest expression of God, oneness, goddess, divine being, whatever you want to call it is the earth. The mm. earth is the purest manifestation of spirit. And if we, uh, continue on our ways of destroying the planet. We just destroy ourselves. It's a self destroying prophecy. If we continue going on the path that we're on. Uh, there was a wonderful book actually written on this. And it's funny because it almost feels like it was prophetic because it was written 20 years before the pandemic. Everybody should read this book called Ishmael. Um, Ishmael talks about the the ecological destruction of our planet and the reckless path we're on. Well. This pandemic brought that to the forefront. I don't think we have any choice but to forge a new path ahead that is consistent with the vision of the indigenous peoples of the world who are the true guardians of this earth. And that is we need to live in oneness and symbiotic unity with the earth. Not, she, she is not our enemy. She is not something that can be conquered. We are of her and she is an expression of us.
0: Mm. I wish everybody viewed it that way. I I feel like I'm constantly screaming and shouting and yelling at people with this podcast. Take care of the earth. (laughs) You know, and I I see uh, pioneers uh, like Michael Reynolds, who builds these amazing, he's this incredible architect who's had his license stripped of him like 20 times because probably the government doesn't want him doing what he's doing, but he's building sustainable homes that completely live, breathe on their own. And and they're completely off the grid. They have their own water systems. They have their own ecosystems. They grow their own food. They are not connected Mm. to the system at all. And um, the government has shut him down many times. And it's like, really? Like, why are we not... Building subdivisions like this. Why are we not encouraging everyone to grow their own food, have their own water supply, uh, create their own electricity? Like this does not make sense to me. The way that we live and how brutalizing we are yes. to our planet, um, and how we treat her as if we just have another one to go to. Exactly. Like, we'll
1: just, and Amanda, what's so what's so hopeful though? Everything you just said, it's so true. But but a hopeful spin on all this. Is in the book, I talk about how uh, I talk about some cases where I, I talked to a couple friends and I referenced them in the book and they literally took this period to start up a gigantic organic organic garden. They actually live in Nashville and moved uh, out into the country and they used this period to really uh, uh, delve deeper into their relationship into sustainable living. And I have other friends who decided to move up from Colorado, who decided to move off the grid uh, in Utah and to try that kind of living style. So I do think that out of this period, more people are starting to awaken to the idea, hey, right now might be a great time to try to live more sustainably, to put these, this vision into practice.
0: Yeah, I loved that you mentioned Stephen Gaskin's The Farm, which is here oh, in Tennessee. Yes. Like, that is just such a brilliant concept. I mean, clearly, it's still working after all these years. Oh, it's, you know? it's, a,
1: it's a beautiful working system of of, um, of...
0: Sustainability at its finest.
1: Sustainability at its finest. No other way to put that. Yes.
0: So becoming self-sufficient will deepen our relationship and connection to the earth that's what you say on page 111 i i mean i just i want to put a gold star on that i want to put it on the front page of my website i want to tattoo it on my forehead like i don't understand why people don't get this um but i i do believe um there is something to be said uh which you talk about in the book in fact i should probably just share this because it's it's brilliant you have um your, uh, you had a friend, I believe, that was talking about putting in uh, a hard day of work. And this, this is pretty long, but this is on page 112, or maybe this is you. Uh, not long ago, I spent an extremely hot summer uh, in the Appalachians uh, Mountains working on a hemp farm in the mountains of North Carolina. Much of the work that I did in the field was physically exhausting, which is fantastic. That is the way of the Stoics. Yet, despite enduring the hard labor and many pains in my body, I recall feeling strangely fulfilled while working there. I was learning how to farm, getting my hands dirty, and putting in an honest day's work. Furthermore, as the weeks went by, my bond with the land and surrounding mountains grew stronger, so much so that the farm began to feel like an extension of my being. Oh, my God, I can hear the angels singing as the canvas... (laughs) Plants began to mature, my connection to the land only heightened. While working on the farm, I began to truly understand what my old-timer friend Rick had meant when he once told me that he feels closest to Christ when he works the land behind his home. What I discovered in that summer on the farm is that learning self-sufficient skills not only makes us feel more confident, able, resilient, and fully connected beings, but it also brings peace of mind. 1000%, you cannot have a connection to mama earth. If you are not connected physically to her, if you don't know where your food is coming from, if you're simply running up to the grocery store and grabbing your tomatoes and your lettuce, you have Mm -hmm. zero connection with how that food was nurtured, loved, cultivated, watered, cared for. I mean, when you grow your own food and you can go out back and pick your lettuce and tomatoes and all that, you have an experience when you eat that meal?
1: It, it's incredibly empowering. Uh, mm-hmm. It's empowering. It's, I would argue that's how like real change is made, right? That's real change. That's that's getting your your hands with the earth. You are mixing your labor with the earth. You are mixing your spirit with the earth and the, you reap the reward of the vegetables or the anything that you're growing. But really in the end, what you're really reaping is that bond, that connection with Mother mm. Nature, you mm. know, and that, and that, and that was an excerpt from uh, my experience on that on that farm, and it was really, uh, uh, you know, it, it was it was actually surprising to me how uh, well, how filling. bond you know, how bonded I felt, yeah, to the yeah. land.
0: My dad, uh, one of his dear friends, is a farmer up in Washington, and he grows apples. And this friend is actually quite wealthy and um he has no need to own an apple farm but one of the reasons that this man purchased the apple farm is he was sad to see that a lot of the land is being pillaged for subdivisions and a bunch of bullshit so he bought the farm and continues on with the apple farm and when he purchased it he realized that he didn't have any laborers and he didn't know anything really about farming and he realized that the farmers would come in and it was quite seasonal uh based on when the the harvest would come in and so this friend asked my dad who was in his sixties to come up and to help him uh, with the first harvest. And so, uh, up there, the harvest happens over the summer. They would, um, start the, the process in like May, uh, I think is when he went up and he, he worked all summer up until through, I think October. So it was literally everything from, um, you know, uh, the way that they were trimming the trees to fertilizing the trees to nurturing the trees all the way to October when the harvest is I mean it's like a full process and my dad's in his 60s and he works the land and every single day he like my mom and I we were at the lake uh, they have a lake house in uh, Lake of the Ozarks and mom and I are drinking wine and we're boating and we're having a good old time and dad's putting in a hard day's work they have to get up at 3 a.m And he's moaning and groaning and bitching and complaining. And he's like, oh God, I got to get up so early. And I got, you know, I'm filthy and I'm cold. It's so cold up here. I'm so cold. My joints hurt. My butt hurts. Like all he did was complain. And in October when the harvest came and they, oh my God, he got so many apples. He just, he had so much pride and he was so proud of what he had. He said, I've never been so connected with the earth. Um, I've been a huge environmentalist. I wrote a book a couple of years ago and my father said, I finally understand why you are fighting for her. I finally understand. And I was like, oh my God, you're finally getting it. And he goes, I like the pain and the process and being cold in the early mornings. He said, there's nothing that I would have chosen to do this summer. Uh, That would have been better than this. He said there is nothing. uh, There's no way to describe. All he kept saying was how proud I was of what we had accomplished over that summer and how the fruits of our labor actually created actual fruit from mama earth. And like, he was just so proud. And, and oh, one beautiful of my
1: story, yeah, that's, a, right? that's an like, amazing story. And he, yeah.
0: because of that experience where he had to work his butt off, he said, Amanda, I feel things in my body that I didn't know I owned <laughs> <laughs> his butt. He kept talking about how sore his butt was because they were climbing up and down ladders. And um, because of that experience, he is now, he's, he read my book cover to cover and like he, he does all these little things, you know, to try to be more of an environmentalist and like he fights, you know, he'll see somebody at the grocery store buying like Ziploc bags or something. And he'll, he'll go over to him and say, you know, there's a reusable auction that you could be buying, (laughs) 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 which I love, but there's something to be said. One of my uh, favorite authors is Ryan Holiday and he talks about the Stoics and, and you know, the, the idea of Taoism and Stoicism and, and this connection ah. to the earth and, and how um, if more people would get away from the white collar jobs and this egotistical striving for more, the consumerism, which you talk about in the book. Um, I think it was your, uh, there was a great story that you shared with Otis and Savannah uh talking about um consumerism and and trying to break away from the system um but there's something to be said when you work the land and you have that connection with her and i would say your chi connects with her chi um you
1: you become one right you become one there's no other way to put it you the what you just described with your father on the apple farm and what i was trying to kind of convey through those stories in the book was you almost establish like a mystical union with the earth through through the through it's like through church activities it is I've always argued that that the earth at least for me is the uh the like i said the greatest expression of pure spirit, but it's church for me i mean every day i uh I don't miss a day where i I don't go hiking in the mountains and hiking for me or you know communing with the earth is pro- is probably my greatest like spiritual practice I have today. Yeah. It's all I I talk
0: about on the show. I'm constantly telling people go outside, hug trees, connect with the earth, connect with the earth, connect. Like in order for you to have an appreciation for her and to really understand where our sustainability and how we live on a daily basis, everything that we do, everything that we touch is because of her, everything. Yes.
1: Yes. And, and, you know, it's funny is the, you know, COVID, this whole period has in some sense forced us back outdoors. It's forced many people back to the earth. There, there's actually a reverse migration happening where people are leaving uh, cities and moving to the outskirts and the suburbs or people are moving from the suburbs and going into rural areas to try to reconnect with the earth. Not only that, but I think even in the cities, people who live in the cities There's going to be a lot more, I think, out of this whole period, you're going to see a lot more um, development, uh, more emphasis on creating green spaces, more emphasis on out west, they call it open spaces. You know, um, I think people are realizing that nature is a key component of our lives, of our mental, emotional, spiritual and physical well-being. And it wouldn't surprise me if we see something like a greening, a greening cities movement that comes out of this or
0: community uh, gardens. I'm community voting for gardens. community gardens. Yeah. I think that if people can grow their own food and and establish that relationship, the connection. Uh, there's something to be said when you wait three months for a damn tomato. I mean, good lord, like well, you're gonna savor. You- Every bit of it. (laughs) Every bit of
1: it. It teaches you you hard work. It teaches you discipline. It it empowers you. It gives you a sense of fulfillment. It it enhances your connection to the earth. I mean, the benefits of growing your own food are infinite.
0: Absolutely. And no white collar job's going to do that for you. There's nothing, there's no no job out there that's going to give you that sense of fulfillment.
1: No. And Amanda, I would say actually our white collar job's Pull us away from that connection inherently. One
0: thousand percent. You are and I, absolutely right.
1: And I hope that that I hope that out of all the changes that come out of COVID, uh, you know, and again, I talk about this in the book quite a bit. Is I hope that it reorients not only our relationship with each other but with the entire Earth.
0: Mm. Well, what is I? You know, I always love to. I feel like many times, I've written many books and, and I find that when I do them, it's because I'm enraged or I'm empowered or there's this spark of um, energy. It, it's like I'm connected to something higher than myself. And and it's almost a channeling experience, which FYI, for those that are listening, I get the most when I'm out in nature. Um, yes. But yes. Um, your book is called COVID-19 and Humanity's Spiritual Awakening. I'm curious, what is your greatest hope with this book? What do you hope uh, people walk away with.
1: My biggest hope with this book is that it inspires people during a difficult time. It empowers people to be the change that they want to see in the world. It empowers people to develop a deeper connection to themselves, to humanity. And like we've been talking about Amanda a lot, this podcast to the earth, And I hope that it builds a sense of greater faith within themselves that we can use this period of apparent darkness to move towards a period of greater light. So in the end, what I really hope for is that this book inspires people and it brings a wave of positivity that many are simply not feeling right now.
0: Positivity that is a choice. It's a choice to choose to see the gift that it has given us. It's we, a choice. All,
1: we always have the choice to reorient our perspective in a positive direction. We always have the choice to empower ourselves. And we always have the choice to meet suffering with awareness.
0: Mm, beautifully said. Well, like I said, the book is called COVID-19 and Humanity's Spiritual Awakening. Many uh, gems, really great nuggets of information throughout. I I have a bunch of highlighted sections and underlines or uh, underlined areas where I'm like, oh my God, that's brilliant. If people want to learn more about you, uh, learn more about this book, where do they go? How do they uh, get a copy of it?
1: So the book is available, uh, of course, on Amazon. Uh, You guys can... Go to amazon.com. You can, I have a Kindle edition and I have uh, a paper copy edition. Uh, You also can go, if you don't like Amazon, you can go to my independent publisher, uh, Conscious Living Media. The book is available there. So again, Amazon or Conscious Living Media. Uh, And if you want to reach out to me, I have a website. Uh, www.forestrivers.com, F-O-R-R-E-S-T, rivers.com. I have a daily blog uh, that I have on there. Um, You can leave comments there. You can also reach me, reach out on my contact form on my Forest Rivers website. Uh, I have links to all of the podcasts and radio interviews that I've been giving uh, on that website. And you can also reach me on Facebook. Uh, Just type in Forest Rivers, and I have an active Facebook. Uh, So yeah, number number of ways you can get in touch um, with me. And I also wanted to take a second and give a shout out to The Mindful Word. Uh, They're a Canadian writers collective. And I formulated many of the ideas behind this book uh, through through them. So through publishing with them.
0: Well, thank you for taking the time to not only uh, sit down with me today, we got, we had a little bit of technical difficulties yesterday, but <laughs> oh, we're good, Amanda. Amanda,
1: this was an absolute pleasure to have this conversation with you.
0: It was uh, worth the wait. Oh, good, 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 good. Um, <laughs> I always, I, I get a little too fired up when I'm talking about Mama Earth. I, I get a little uh, little passionate, but uh, hopefully but that, that, that- That
1: should be, you know what? That should be, if there's any topic we emphasize heavily, it should be just that.
0: Yes, I dedicate this show to her and driving energy and love and kindness into her and, and hope that it fires up other people. Yes. Uh, yes. My, my faithful listeners know my- uh, my the way i feel about my uh real strong introduction into writing my book was uh my nemesis which is palm oil um, there are many nemesis out there but the one that i drive my energy into is to uh getting people to better understand uh their use and consumption of palm oil which is destroying our amazon rainforest but i yes. won't go down that rabbit hole yes. right now but um Hopefully, we have inspired somebody who is listening to this show to take a step back and really see the gifts that this experience has given to us and maybe inspired them to grow a garden, maybe uh, try to fight for a community garden in their neighborhood. Uh, You know, and let's get back to the victory gardens. We don't need lawns. We need gardens. We need sustainability and we need to not have so much dependence on our grocery stores and the food system. I don't need an avocado. That's from 3000 miles away. I would like to be able to go out to my garden and, um, you know, be able to walk five steps to get my food and know where it's coming from. So hopefully we've inspired others to do the same. And thank you for putting your energy and work out into the world. And, you know, it, it'll slowly, but surely us weirdos as we're often known as (laughs) we will make a dent in consciousness and and start moving in the right direction. So thank you for this. And thank you for saying yes to this.
1: Yes. I'm so grateful for this, for this time we've had today and Thank you so much, Amanda. And what you're doing is a huge service to humanity.
0: Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. I hope that you enjoyed this interview as much as I did. If you'd like to learn more about Forrest, be sure to head on over to his website or check out his book, COVID-19 Humanity's Spiritual Awakening. I think it is a true gift to everything that we've been going through. And if you do take that step back, take a turn around on the mountain, get a new view, different perspective, Uh, You'll see all the gifts that it is truly, in fact, giving us. And hopefully it's allowing you to see the priorities of the people around you, the things that are around you, um, and just helping you uh, figure out what really matters to you. It's going to look different for everyone, right? We don't all like the same things. We don't all cherish the same things. But this event, catalysts that occur in our life are there for a reason to help us get Uh, just really true to our hearts and what matters most to us. So hopefully that helps with you. All right, everyone, thank you so much for joining me today. If you'd like to learn more about me, you can head on over to gatesinteriordesign.com. I've got every single thing you could ever know about as far as my courses, working with me for a feng shui consultation, real estate, whatever. You can just head on over there uh, to learn more. And don't forget, if you do like the show, be sure to head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. All right, everyone, trust the vibe because the energy never lies.